listening to the Florida Fishing Show and Podcast, and I'm your host, Ty Nelson. Today, I am alone. Uh, I don't have any guests. My co-host, Tim Summer, is uh, is not with me today. He's actually at home uh, watching the baby, and then he's got a, a group tonight that he's leading. So, uh, it's just me solo for the first time, so we're going to see how it's going to go. Um, before we get started, I was going to do some quick annou- announcements. This is really vain, this first one that I already have. It just says, I will be the host. So, Yeah. Basically, moving forward, um, I will be hosting the Florida Fishing Show and Podcast. Uh, We talked about this in January. We wanted to shoot uh, the show basically every single week to give you guys new content every single week. And after about three to four weeks, we fell off, which has happened about four times so far. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's hard for Tim and I to both uh, just schedule things out to sit down and actually shoot this podcast. So uh, moving forward, I'm just going to host the show. We're going to get some guests on. Um, hopefully you guys will chime in and tell us kind of who to interview and uh and tim will come join me sometimes and other times i'll just be friends and and uh, other people as well so yeah that's uh that's the one of the big things moving forward with the florida fishing show and podcast i will be the new host which i love because i usually know like say i'm ty nelson your co-host and with me is my co-host tim summer so really there's never been a f- actual host of florida fishing show and podcast so i'm excited to actually like, have one singular person on this especially me because i'm excited about this and i really enjoy the florida fishing show and podcast um announcement number two so we're closing out of our original osprey spinning reel as most of you guys know we're launching our new osprey saltwater series in mid-october um and additionally we'll be launching our new osprey ce in early january so basically we're breaking away from the original osprey and we're launching that saltwater series and the ce to kind of uh really hit two new markets entirely for the guys that like a more of a bulletproof heavier reel we have your osprey saltwater series for the guys that love the original osprey love the smoothness of it love how lightweight it is and love uh just the fact that it's a great finesse reel for inshore fishing we have that osprey ce coming out in january so with the closeout we're going to be offering some discounts here and there so definitely stay tuned uh, on our email list on our website on social media we'll be announcing some different stuff um and know that if you are a, a big fan of the original osprey what i got here is basically the rest of our stock so it's a good time to stock up on your original osprey spinning reels um and yeah we will have parts moving forward but the actual uh reel itself we will no longer be producing Uh, Finally, we introduced our new Infinity Fluorocarbon at iCast. We had a really, really, really good response. Everyone loved it. Um, Basically, it's 100% fluorocarbon. You have a lot of different products out there that are uh, monofilament with a fluorocarbon coating, and it makes a big difference when it's actually 100% fluorocarbon. It's more abrasion resistance. Uh, It actually disappears in the water faster. Uh, It's just a different spectrum when it's uh, actually 100% fluorocarbon versus something that's coated. Obviously, something that that is coated over time will wear out. And when you have salt water, uh, you know, sun, slime from fish, and even abrasion from fish over time, it'll wear off that 100% fluorocarbon coat, and um, it'll actually basically make it ineffective. So um, we are stoked about this fluoro. It's, um, we've been testing it probably for the last six months now, um, put it into a lot of our guides' hands, and they've been loving it. Really, it's, it's very, very similar to Seaguar. Um, pretty much it goes through the same process. It's extremely um, soft has very very little memory but it is very abrasion resistant and that was like the main things that i wanted i really really enjoyed cigar but it's too much of a premium price you don't get enough flora with it and so that's why we decided to launch our new infinity fluorocarbon as you guys know a lot of what we're doing here is seeing products that we like to use and making them better so that was really the whole goal with the infinity fluorocarbon and we feel like we hit the nail on the head so definitely be sure to check that out when you get a chance uh so today 
we'll be going back to uh, one of our original topics that we talk about a lot. Um, but one that I think is important because um, no one's really talking about it. Obviously, post-Hurricane Dorian, a lot of people are focused on that, which rightfully so. Um, what happened in the Bahamas um, was really devastating, and right now they do need a lot of help. So I'm thankful for guys like Mangear and a number of other companies in the industry that have stepped up um, and just done big things. Barracuda Tackle, Bull Bay Tackle. I feel like every single company has done something for um, the Bahamas. So we've, we've been excited to be a part of um, helping that effort. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, – it's a tragedy, and so we definitely want to do what we can um, as anglers who love fishing the Bahamas and just love fishing in general. And as Floridians have gone through hurricanes, we know what it's like. We just went through Irma not too long ago and Matthew on the East Coast, and, yeah, it's not fun. So um, we definitely definitely want to make sure that we're taking care of them there. But moving forward, um, I want to talk about conservation. Um, that's one of the most one of the things I'm most passionate about. Um, as the host of the show now, we're going to be focusing a lot on conservation. Uh, being an angler, it's one of the just the primary issues around right now. If you were at ICAST last few years, it's one of the number one things that's talked about is conservation issues, conservation organizations, conservation efforts, and you know what does that all mean? Is that's kind of what we'll be breaking down over the next few months, um, and, and we're actually going to see who's really doing what and where some of the major issues lie. But I just found it really interesting, back in 2018, just one year ago, in July, August, September, we were going through what we called the lost summer. Um, it was terrible. It was really, really bad. We had just ridiculous amounts of, of dead fish all over our beaches, all over our local waterways, the ICW, from Naples all the way up to uh, like Hudson. And even further north than that, they're getting spurts of red tide here and there, but the real like, badly affected area from, were from Hudson, Florida all the way down to Naples, which is almost a 300-mile stretch. So when you think about that, that's that's a massive area that's being affected by fish kills. So um, that brings me to the first headline, which is from CNN from 2018. It's Florida's red tide has produced 2,000 tons of dead marine life and cost businesses more than $8 million. And I can tell you firsthand, uh, you know, being a co-founder of Florida Fishing Products, I saw what happened in July and August and September of last year. We thought we were going to lose our business. Um, we know a lot of tackle shops that are struggling mightily during that time. We know a lot of other companies in the fishing industry that are struggling mightily during that time. And so we, we've seen it first half from an, uh, firsthand from an economic standpoint. Um, and, and even our fishing guides, man, they were, they were out for two or three months, man, with few, very few trips. And that's hard when you're, you know, ba when you're basing your living uh, catching fish on the water and you're dealing with the majority of the areas you're fishing just covered in dead fish due to red tide it, it's not good for business whatsoever and obviously once it hit the mainstream news it just it got all over the united states and people stopped coming here so it affected gas stations and restaurants and hotels the guides you know small fishing companies like florida fishing products the retail shops um you know it really affected all of us so that is why I want to continue to bring this up and keep it in the conversation and, and really talk about these issues. Um, red tide is something that they've portrayed in the news over and over and over again as naturally occurring. And I do want to point out this year um, and, and right now that there is very, very, very little traces of red tide. Um, I'm actually going to pull up a, a, a document here. Hopefully you guys will be able to check it out. But basically it's, it's not present slash background. 
um, zero to one thousand. I don't know what the the one thousand is, but it's a very very small sample. Uh, when it says very low, it's one thousand to ten thousand. Low is ten thousand to a hundred thousand. Mediums a hundred thousand to a million, and highs a million plus. And right now we're at not present slash background. So zero to one thousand of a uh, Carina brevis, which is red tide, and that's over the entire state of Florida. So there's very 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 trace amounts of red tide here right now, um, which I find really interesting because it's talked about as naturally occurring and and I don't doubt that it's naturally occurring I'm not saying it's not naturally occurring like red tide is a naturally occurring organism and algae but what I am saying is that what we have done with the state of Florida you know we've changed its ecology we've changed the way water has been managed and we've really dumped a lot of polluted water into into our waterways from Lake Okeechobee and from other numerous sources into our waterways and that is what has spurred these algae blooms uh, and specifically red tide the last few years. So it's interesting that this year we have a lot less rainfall. Um, the lake levels are a lot lower, so we're not seeing we're not seeing red tide um, in the areas that were affected terribly last year. And at the end of the day, if it was all naturally occurring, I don't see why it would be any different this year versus last year. Um, you would still see some pretty serious red tide, and, and this year we're not seeing fish kills whatsoever. And once again, we're seeing very, very, very small amounts of red tide. Um, and in many areas, it's not present at all. Um, so now I'm going to move forward to uh, the Weather Channel. Uh, in 2018, one of their big headlines was Florida's blue-green algae bloom, 10 times too toxic to touch. And that hits me hard because I remember when I was six years old, really my entire youth, but I remember specifically when I was, when I was really, really young, me and my neighbors would go out and we'd, we'd hang out in the Clusatchee River behind our house and the surface was just covered in green algae. And I have no doubts that it was blue-green algae at the time. We weren't really aware of it, um, but we used to play in that every single summer. And now we're seeing that it's linked to Alzheimer's, it's linked to, to, to dementia and a number of other health issues. And so, you know, that it's, it's frustrating that it's been present for such a long time and now finally in 2018 and 2019 as a state and as a country really just starting to talk about this it's just started to become an issue um, but both my parents live on the water in Fort Myers on the Clusahatchee which is ground zero for blue-green algae and I'm concerned about the long-term effects of it personally for myself and for my parents and I know for numerous other people that live on the river it's a major concern as well and so not only is it killing fish but ultimately it is uh, a health concern and so i think it's important that we continue to stay on top of this um, and continue to to look at this as we move forward because i don't think this is the last time 2018 was not the last time that we're going to hear blue green algae and in fact this year with a lot of the efforts that they've been making here um, mostly from uh, fishing related conservation organizations um, they've been pushing the army corps of engineers to change up their management techniques um, and, and what they're actually doing now is the army corps of engineers who regulates the water in lake okeechobee they're starting to lower the levels earlier and earlier which this year they started lowering the levels in february basically in anticipation of the heavy rainfall coming from the summer and so this year they have not had to dump excessive numbers of lake okeechobee water into uh, the Clusahatchee River or the St. Lucie River. And I think that's one of the main reasons, as I was saying before, that we haven't seen red tide entirely, like whatsoever this year. Um, but what they were saying in some of these articles, which I'm going to go into one here shortly, um, what, they are, what they were saying, or what they are saying, rather, 
um, is that there was blue-green algae present in Lake Okeechobee. Um, however, the, the Army Corps of Engineers decided not to dump lake water um, into our estuaries. They decided to hold it in the lake because the lake was at a level where they could regulate it. It wasn't getting too high. It wasn't uh, risking breaking the dike and flooding the farmland and cities south of the lake. And so they're actually able to hold it because they prepared early on. They're able to hold that water and keep us from being exposed to that blue-green um, algae. So I, I think that's a big step in the right direction. But the fact is, like, it's still there. Blue-green algae is still in Lake Okeechobee. Um, the studies on that are pretty widely known. Um, but at the same time, you don't hear talk about, for like the news, uh, you, don't, you don't hear talk about it being naturally occurring or anything like that. I really don't know as much about blue-green algae. Um, what I do know is there are health-related uh, issues to it. And what I do know is it is still present. And I, like I said, I don't think it's going to go away. We're going to see it happen over and over and over again. Um, so I just want to continue to just keep the conversation rolling and, and let people know we are making headway. Um, organizations like Bull Sugar and Cabins for Clean Water are doing good things. They're putting political pressure in the right areas, and they're starting to create management techniques uh, and management policies to actually focus more on these issues. Um, so, yeah, the next one is New York Times, another obviously major, major news network. Um, this one stated algae bloom in Florida uh prompts fear about harm to health and economy as i was saying before you know i used to play in the river when there were algae blooms in the river um and, and long term i don't think it's good for our health like i said it is linked to alzheimer's and dementia and that's something that does concern me and, and a lot of others as well and that's why it's really important you know set, set aside the fact that it's not good for our estuary um when you have the public health uh you know at, at, at risk it's not worth messing with you know we really need to take this a little bit more seriously seriously in my opinion uh moving forward you have nbc news toxic red toxic red tide i can't talk today toxic red tide is making floridians sick and angry obviously a lot of us have been upset anyone in the fishing industry knows that red tide sucks kills off our fish uh, when you're in it it does cause you to cough does get you uh, itchy eyes it's not it's not fun no one likes to deal with it and at the end of the day we do want to focus our efforts on trying to limit it as much as possible and I think we can do that and, and you know you hear FWC say it all the time um, you know you can limit it by not fertilizing your lawns and we should say the same to our big ag friends who own the big agricultural companies you know they should be doing the same thing and limiting their um, their fertilizers as well that end up getting into our water uh, but moving forward I do want to go to a, a new headline here in 2019 so a year forward from the, uh, the last summer, you know, we haven't had any traces or very, very small traces of red tide. We haven't had the fish kills. We haven't had the blue-green algae. And this is actually from two days ago. Um, this is actually a really, really positive note. It says the Caloosahatchee River spared, spared lake releases as Army Corps holds water in lake, comma, sends some south. So the good news is they are sparing the Caloosahatchee River and the St. Lucie River from uh, harmful uh, cyanobacteria or blue-green algae um, they are taking those measures um, but it, what it does say in the second part of this is they send some south meaning some water from lego trevor they're sending south into the everglades which is a really controversial issue um, that we're still talking about right now um, we dodged a bullet big time and i'm going to get into this the first 
uh, sentence here says, Hurricane Dorian took a turn to the north before reaching the coast of Florida and likely spared the Clusahatchee River and its estuaries from damaging Lake Okeechobee releases. So the first sentence here in this news press article is basically uh, recognizing that we did dodge a bullet with Hurricane Dorian. Obviously, it hit the Bahamas hard, as we talked about before. It veered off to the east and it stayed away from Florida. We didn't get the heavy rainfall we were expecting, but had we run into that heavy rainfall, they would have most likely been dumping excessive amounts of fresh water from the lake, uh, from Lake Okeechobee, which has been stated before that they, it had blue-green algae in it. Traces of it were in it, and, and I wouldn't say just traces. It was um, large amounts from what I could see from photos. Um, and so had we been hit, they would have ended up dumping all that water into our estuaries anyways. And so even though they had prepared, you know, there's only so much preparation they can do for, you know, a hurricane. So we were going to, you know, more likely than not be hit with those discharges had Hurricane Dorian directly hit Florida. And so coming back to that, the end of that sentence, they send some water south, you know, the way that they can prepare or prevent these algae blooms and dumping water into Lake o- or dumping water into the Clusahatchee River estuary and the St. Lucie estuary is by sending water from Lake Okeechobee south. And you've heard it over and over and over again. It's been preached by Captains for Clean Water. It's been preached by BullSugar.org. I'm sure it's been preached by Friends of the Everglades and the Everglades Foundation. The scientists all say the same thing. We need to send more clean water south to the Everglades, to Florida Bay, which desperately needs that fresh water. And at the end of the day, the Everglades, is it's a, it's a system that actually filters the water as it gets sent south. It goes through what we call the River of Grass, and the River of Grass will filter out those nitrates and phosphates and actually basically be shooting out clean water into Florida Bay and to the Everglades. And, and I will say, um, there I have read some articles that say that Lake O-Water is so bad that they actually don't want to dump it into the Everglades because they are concerned that the pollutants are too high and even the river grass wouldn't be able to filter it out. It's past that natural level or the high end of that natural level of what it can filter. So what we need to do as humans uh, is we need to set up more STAs or storm treatment um, areas to take this water in to help clean it up and then start to send it south into the Everglades. So it is good to see that they are sending some water south. It is good to see that they are lowering the lake levels in preparation for the rainy season. It's good to see that they are aware of blue-green algae being in the lake and they're not wanting to dump it down our rivers for the first time in a very long time, if not the first time ever. Um, Yeah, so I I wanna keep on rolling through this article. Um, Line five in here says, "Lower, lower lake levels have allowed the Army Corps to keep polluted and often algae-ridden Okeechobee waters, mostly out of the Clusatchee River this summer. Um, so that's, once again, in this article in the news press, they are um, basically pointing out the fact that the Army Corps of Engineers is aware that there's algae, uh, blue-green algae, in Lake Okeechobee, and they're trying to keep it out of the Clusatchee River. So once again, it's a, it's a step in the right direction. Um, and then moving, uh, moving forward a little further, let's see, um, losing my lines here. Um, here we have uh, FGCU Professor Barry Rosen. He says, because the lake levels are below 14 feet, they don't have to do regulatory releases, they being the Army Corps of Engineers, and that's the good part. He said, had the lake stage went up significantly from Dorian, they would have been forced to make releases to compensate for the extra water from Dorian. So now we have an FGCU Professor Barry Rosen, who I believe is linked to um, um, the Marine Biology Department, which is very well recognized or highly regarded. Um, he's stating, you know, that basically we dodged a bullet once again and, and had the lake been a little bit higher and how we've been hit by Dorian, we would have had to dump that water, which we just previously noted had 
algae, blue-green algae in it. So we dodged a bullet. Moving forward, what can we do to make a difference? We can start to talk about the fact that we do need to send more clean water south. Um, we do need to have more STAs, and we do need to stop catering to the big agriculture south of Lake Okeechobee who's putting all of the do their dollars into our politicians' pockets. And I think we have uh, a great governor in office right now who's making some good moves. I think our water management district, um, which was completely rebooted here this last year by Governor DeSantis, I think um, I think that's all moving in the right direction. But, you know, they're only in office for so long. We need to keep this ball rolling. This is a long-term battle. Um, so that's why we're here with the Florida Fishing Show and Podcast talking about these issues and making sure that we're, we're staying on top of them as anglers, um, as outdoorsmen, and as conservationists. Um, so hopping down a little bit further. Once again, lost my spot here. So once again, Rosen's talking about any time you can use the entire system uh, of the Everglades and Lake Okeechobee, um, you can keep water in the lake, you can store it to the north, and you can start to send it south. You're in a sweet spot, he says. You don't have to send releases to the east or west coast. Um, so we need to create more storage north and south of the lake. We've been talking about it for a long time. They've started to do it a little bit, but really they're not taking, they being our politicians, are not taking uh, enough of a step to get the land that we need, that we currently own as a state, and to start turning that land into STAs to clean this water. So um, moving forward, that is like the most important thing um, to talk about. They have the new management policies in place. And actually, I have to add this in here. U.S. Sugar is suing the Army Corps of Engineers um, regarding this particular um, policy that they're trying to put in place, which will protect humans and those downstream from Lake Okeechobee. Um, and the main reason they're suing them is because they're worried about not having enough water to irrigate their sugar. Um, at the end of the day, they're more concerned about their bottom line and their profits than they are about human health. So if they don't get enough water, they don't get to irrigate their crops, and that means their bottom line or their profits at the end of the day could be affected. So that's our biggest concern right now. Um, and, and they're the ones that have been leasing the land south of Lake Okeechobee, which we really desperately need to create STAs. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, we're not trying to bash um, agriculture as a whole. We just want them to understand why we're frustrated. And uh, the fact is that we do need some of that land to send clean water south. We're not looking to end all agriculture by any means, of course. That's outrageous and um, not something uh, I think that is wise whatsoever. It really hurt our economy. But we do need to have um, some give and take here. Like they need to be willing to give up some of the land for STAs so that we can start cleaning up the water, start sending us south so we're not sending harmful blue green algae down our coastline um and then finally the last uh last line is um it's actually from chauncey goss who's on the board of the south florida water management district he says from my perspective i'm glad the Corps is holding back uh, on releases from lake okeechobee our estuaries don't need the water since we have plenty of basin runoff right now uh, means just runoff that naturally occurs going into our river to keep it fresh enough because we do need to have some fresh water in a brackish water estuary like St. Uh, sorry, like the uh, Clusa Hatchie estuary is. And then he goes on to state uh, the lake is at sustainable levels, and I know the district is working on moving water south to the Everglades National Park, which, once again, that's the ultimate goal. That's why I like Chauncey Goss as one of our members of the South Florida Water Management District. He sees the big vision. A lot of people see the big vision. Now we just need to get the, bowl, the ball rolling more, put it in motion. We need uh, 
everyday anglers, outdoorsmen, Florida residents to understand that this is the move that we need to take in order to clean up our water in order to ensure a brighter future for Florida. Uh, and, and so that kind of moves me into our next section. I want to talk about why as anglers, um, why we need to be good stewards of the waters that we fish. And I know this is running a little bit longer than I anticipated. I told Demetrius, shout out, who's going to be producing our podcast and show from here on out. Um, I told him that I have no clue how long this is going to take because I have not shot one of these by myself. I've also never created an outline like this before. Um, so this is this is all new to me. So as we dial this in over the next few weeks, we'll have a better idea of how long the podcast is going to be. And hopefully we'll shorten it up and keep it to a, a regularly posted podcast on a single day. And it should be a, you know, a specific amount of time. It should be 25 to 30 minutes, most likely. But we'll see what happens after this one. And um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll let you guys know moving forward. But anyway, so why we should be good stewards of the water we fish. Uh, and the number one reason is it is biblical at the end of the day. I'm sure unless you've lived on a rock your entire life, we all know the story. God created the heavens and the earth. He separated the earth from the sea, filled it with plants, filled it with vegetation, filled it with trees, filled it with Lego Joby. Um, he filled it with fish and birds and other living things. Right. And then finally, on the, on the sixth day, God created man in his own image and after his own likeness, meaning God made us much like him. Um, talking about some of the, the characteristics of God, he's, he's graceful, he's merciful, he's loving, he's kind. Um, at the end of the day, he has the ability to create, which we do have the ability to create. We have free will um, and we can act on things unlike other um, animals um, and other things in nature. And so, yeah, I mean. God created man in his own image after his own likeness. And then God gave us the responsibility of having dominion over everything on the earth. And I think this is the important part. We're talking about dominion here and the fact that we were given the responsibility and the ability, ability um, to take care of this planet, take care of the earth, take care of our fisheries, take care of the animals. And that's like the main reason at the end of the day why we should be good stewards of the water that we fish um it's a serious responsibility you know i think a lot of us take it lighthearted we all think nature has a way of figuring itself out um there's a line from george carlin who's a pretty famous comedian and he always talks about how you know the the earth is fine it's humans that are screwed you know the earth has a way of figuring itself out um but at the end of the day, you know, we're the ones that get hit by the hurricanes and deal with volcanoes and wildfires and the rest of that. So we're the ones that are kind of screwed. But um, going back to, to, you know, biblical terms, you know, we were given dominion over the earth. Um, and so we are the ones that actually really uh, we're the ones that manipulate it. We're the ones that control it. And we're the ones that change a lot of things. And there are a lot of natural things out of our control. But um, many things like the flow of water in Florida are under our control. Um, and we need to be good stewards of that because at the end of the day, it really isn't our earth. It is God's earth. It was given to us. And if you don't believe that, then uh, it's it's future generations who are you're taking away from. You know, at the end of the day, we all will pass on. We all will die. Um, so this earth is not ours. It's future generations. And ultimately, from a biblical standpoint, it's God's earth. And it, the responsibility was given to us to uh, have dominion over it. And he was so serious about this, actually. That was in Genesis 26. Um, where he, where he uh, gave us responsibility, having dominion over earth. He was so serious about this, um, he actually said it twice. Um, and the second time, he basically stated that we are to subdue and have dominion over the fish of, of the sea and the birds of the sky and every living thing. So ultimately, that is our goal as anglers, as outdoorsmen, 
as residents of Florida, as, as Americans, we're to be good stewards of the earth that we live on. So whatever your beliefs are, we should be taking care of our planet as best as possible. And when we see things like this in the news arise, we should open up our eyes and be aware of what's going on. Um, we shouldn't just sit back and let someone else deal with consequences. We should at least educate ourselves on the issues and form opinion for ourselves based on the truth. And from there, move forward and make the best decisions that we need to for our own families um, and for just the future of Earth as a whole. Uh, and finally, I want to go into the second reason why we should be good stewards of the water that we fish, good stewards of the planet that we live on, is at the end of the day, Earth is finite. It's not infinite. It is finite. It's a limited resource. There's only so much water. There are only so many mangroves. There are only so many breeder fish. And so if we continue to kill them off at the rate we've been killing them off, I'm concerned about the future of our fisheries. I'm concerned about the future of Florida fishing products. I'm concerned for our captains. I'm concerned for the companies that I work with. I'm concerned that my kids and my grandkids won't be able to enjoy and experience the moments that I've been, a, I've been afforded um, as a kid to have been able to experience. So at the end of the day, someone needs to step up and take care of the water we love to fish, and that should be us. We're anglers. We're outdoorsmen. We're the ones out there using it, so we should not be abusing it. We should be taking care of it, um, and we should be going the extra effort to educate others who don't know as much as we do about the subject and, and teach them, you know. Um, I, I don't think uh, angry arguments is the way to go about it. I don't think debates are a good way about it, but good conversations are important. When you're sitting at the dinner table or you're sitting drinking a beer with a friend, you know, it's good to bring up these subjects. It's good to bring up these headlines and just talk about, like, the implications of them and why they're happening and what you know, see what their thoughts are on it, or see if your friends are even aware of many of the issues that we're having, which yeah, that's part of the main issue, too, is there are so many people in this state that don't access our water, so they don't really know of the issues that are going on right now. So that's why it's on us as fishermen, as outdoorsmen, to be the ones to, to really preach a message and help people understand what the issues are at hand and how we can move forward and how we can you know, help our politicians make better decisions and care for our estuaries and care for our state and its natural beauty as best as we possibly can. So I really appreciate you guys listening. I have no clue if this is 20 minutes or 45 minutes. Hopefully it was on the shorter end, um, but I think it's on the longer end because it seems like I've been up here for a long time rambling off some different ideas. Um, but, yeah, we'll be posting this up hopefully every Thursday morning, but be on call on that. We might change things up. Um, but yeah, it's going to continue to be me as the host. Hopefully we'll get Tim in and out of here. We'll get some other guests as well. Um, be sure to chime in and let us know, write us a review. Tell us if you love it. If you hate it, if you think I'm absolutely ridiculous and the things that I think are completely wrong, I'd like to know why you think that. Um, I'd love to have a conversation about it. Um, obviously you guys can find us at floridafishingproducts.com. You can find the podcast there. You can find the Florida Fishing Show and podcast on Apple, uh, iTunes, on podcasts, on your iPhone, on a number of other um, channels as well really anywhere you can find podcasts you can find our podcast so just look out for the florida fishing show and podcast or it might be worded the florida fishing podcast and show um probably gotta double check on that one but yeah guys thanks again for listening really appreciate it um once again get out there talk about conservation issues be good stewards of the water um and yeah just uh enjoy yourselves out there be good fishermen fish better fish florida